your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 692 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And the Rangers coming off of really an ugly home performance, a 5-1 to loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we got a lot to talk about in today's episode. Uh, just a baffling performance by the Rangers. Didn't think it would go this way, thought they would bounce back from a rough loss to the Sharks. It obviously did not happen, and uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why I think this might be the most disappointing two-game stretch that the Rangers have played in the last two seasons combined, uh, regular season only. We're not talking about the playoffs or anything like that. Uh, also going to talk about uh, the strange decision to go with Yaroslav Halak in this game. And believe me, he was far from the only issue that the Rangers had, uh, but he obviously did not have his A game. And I just think it was a weird decision to go with him in the first place. Uh, also got to talk about Vitaly Krasov mixing back into the lineup here. Didn't really do a whole lot, but we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, the Philip Heedle injury, what that might mean for the Rangers going forward. And then uh, the upcoming back-to-back against the Avalanche and the Islanders. And then after that, uh, you've also got a back-to-back against the Stars and the Coyotes, and both those games are on the road. So uh, we'll see how all that goes. But you know, as far as uh, what's been going on with the Rangers lately, it's a bit of a head-scratcher because, you know, these are not great teams that the Rangers are playing here. You know, the three losses that the Rangers have had this season are against the Jets, against the uh, the Blue Jackets, and just before that against the Sharks. I did that out of order. It was Jets, Sharks, Blue Jackets, but the, you get the idea. These are not good teams, or they don't seem to be good teams. You never know. I mean, maybe one of these teams is one of the surprises around the, the league this year, and maybe they end up making the playoffs or something like that. You never know. But none of them made the playoffs last year. None of them were really all that close to making the playoffs last year, and pretty much all of them are expected to be, you know, one of the draft lottery teams, quote-unquote, and the Rangers just have not played well. I give them a little bit of a pass against the Jets because that was just a weird situation. The Rangers were playing their third game in four days to start the season. It's the second game of a back-to-back, and for the Jets, it was their home opener. Uh, not even just their home opener. It was their first game of the season, so that was weird. The Rangers had Halak in that game. Uh, the Jets went with Connor Hellebuck, who is one of the better goalies in the league. Gave them a little bit of a pass there, but these two performances against the Sharks and Jackets unacceptable, and it's especially unacceptable because you you would think that the Sharks game would be the wake up call for the Rangers, right? The Sharks come in zero and five. They're not playing well. Again, they're expected to be one of the worst five or so teams in the league. Okay, that'll snap the Rangers out of it. They got two games to get ready, mentally prepared, physically prepared, do whatever they got to do to, uh, you know, get ready to go and bounce back with a win against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And they don't do that. They just play, frankly, bad. It just was not good enough. And the other thing is that these two games against the Sharks and the Jets, uh, excuse me, the Sharks and the Blue Jackets, there we go, uh, oddly reminiscent of each other because I thought in both games, you know, the Rangers, the first eight or 10 minutes, maybe 12 minutes, if you want to be generous, I thought they played fairly well. You know, a couple of early scoring chances didn't go in, uh, a couple of good saves by the opposing goalie, and limiting shots on goal for the opposition, limiting uh, time spent in their own zone, you know, had the rink tilted a little bit in their favor, and it seemed like the Rangers were going to be just fine and, you know, do what they do and, and find a way to win the game. But in both of these two games, for one reason or another, the promising start just kind of fizzled out. 
And in both of these games, the Rangers, uh, against all odds, are down one to nothing at the end of the first period, despite having the better play in both these games. The one thing I will say uh, in this game against the Blue Jackets, I thought the Rangers, once again, did play pretty well in the first period here. But I also think that it was kind of fool's gold in some ways because, yes, they limited uh, time in their defensive zone and they limited shots on goal. But I never thought that even in this first period where the Rangers played fairly well, I never thought that they really found that fifth gear. You know, if you look a little bit deeper and you look past, you know, the shots on goal disparity and the scoring chances and things like that, the Rangers just never really had their legs. They never really, you know, got it going. And it's one thing if it's late in the season, if we're into like March here and the Rangers are playing their fourth game in six days and it's the second game of a back-to-back and, you know, Igor's not playing and, you know, maybe the team's just a little bit beat up and, and could use a little bit of a break. It's one thing if you lay an egg in a situation like that, but to do it here, uh, inexplicable, and unacceptable. This is not going to cut it. I don't care who you're playing. You could be playing uh, the Avalanche, who the Rangers are about to play, and more on that in a little bit as well. You could be playing the Islanders, who they're about to play. You could be playing either of these teams. You could be playing the Devils, the Penguins. It doesn't matter. You play like this, you're not going to win a whole lot of games. And uh, just very, very surprising to see. You know, you see the way that the Rangers started this season and how good they were playing, you know, the first two games. I know the Wild, you know, they let them back into it a little bit, but for the most part, the Rangers were uh, pretty much excellent in the first two games of the season. And uh, it's just gotten away from them. And again, we are so far removed from Ranger hockey in these last two games because we're used to seeing the Rangers dominate the third period. They were one of the best third period teams in the NHL last year. Uh, They were excellent in the first game of the season against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tied 1-1. They scored two goals in the third and uh, go on to win that game. But the Rangers have been bad in the third period in these last two games. Just can't get anything going, completely back on their heels, uh, being outscored, being outworked, being outhustled, looking tired at the end of these games. I don't get it. And it's not time to panic yet. I I should say that too. Uh, It is very early, but, you know, the Rangers are leaving points on the table. And we're going to talk about that concept a little bit later uh, in today's episode too. This was not a hard schedule to begin the season for the Rangers, for the most part. You should be banking points and beating teams that you're supposed to beat, and they're just not doing it. But again, troubling trend and plenty of time to figure it out and correct it. But troubling trend that what was such a strength of this team last year, third period dominance, is a weakness so far this year, and especially in these last two games. Uh, Speaking of dominance, we're used to special teams dominance, and the Rangers have not looked good on special teams at all these past couple of games. I mean, the penalty kill, it's fine. They've only given up four power play opportunities to the opposition, and these Sharks and Jackets combined have gone one for four. It's obviously a really small sample size. They've been okay there, but uh, the power play has not been good at all. One for eight, and just too many power plays where it just doesn't look like anything's going to happen. I mentioned that the game against the Sharks, they got five power play chances, and every single opportunity that they got was worse than the one before it, and it was sort of the same in this one, too. I mean, I know they scored the one power play goal in this game, but it was a five-on-three. It took them more than a minute to score on the power play, and Nyquist basically gave a perfect pass to Artemi Panarin. One of Panarin's teammates could not have given him a better pass on this play. Again, it was five-on-three. Puck is in the corner. Nyquist, for some reason, just throws the puck to the middle of the ice, and Panarin's right there. Probably couldn't believe what he was seeing and, you know, takes the uh, pass, quote-unquote, from Nyquist and shoots and scores, and you know that was the Rangers' only goal of this game. It took a five-on-three and a woeful defensive play by the Blue Jackets for the Rangers to put up a single goal, their only goal of the night against Tarasov, who is a former third-round pick, but has only played seven career NHL games and uh, has not really been that good uh, up until last night. And he might go on to be a good goalie, but, uh, you know, he just wasn't tested enough in this game by the Rangers. And um, 
You know, again, it, it just was not good enough top to bottom. Uh, we're also used to strong defensive hockey from the New York Rangers, and I don't think we've gotten that in the last few games either. I mean, you could say, you know, if, if you just go by shots on goal, that makes it look decent. You know, the Sharks had 27 shots on goal, which is acceptable. And, you know, for the first two periods of that game, they only had like 11 or 12 shots, and then the Rangers had their third period meltdown, and, you know, the shot total obviously went up. Um, and for the Jackets here, they only had 21 shots on goal. So that sounds pretty good on paper. That sounds great on paper. You'd take that every night. But the problem is that the Rangers are giving up too many of these completely out-of-nowhere scoring opportunities that are due to, you know, a defensive lapse, a poor clearing attempt, a lack of effort when it comes to winning a board battle, uh, allowing the opposition to keep an offensive zone possession alive when it, it should be snuffed out. It's not that they're giving up a ton of scoring chances, but every scoring chance they give up, it seems, is due to some kind of a lapse, some kind of a mistake, uh, or some kind of a lack of effort. And we're just not used to seeing that from this Ranger team. They're so much better than this. They're so much better than what they've shown, especially as a defensive team over these past couple of games here. And, you know, part of the reason for the goals being allowed tonight was Yaroslav Halak. And like I said, we're going to talk about him. Uh, but as a team, the Rangers are not playing well enough defensively. It just, it's dumbfounding to, to see what's happened to this team over these past couple of games. And you may be part of it, and we'll talk about this later too. Maybe the Rangers need to get back to having that, you know, underdog mentality. They're going to be the underdog when they play at home against the Stanley Cup champions uh, on Tuesday here. So we'll see. That's going to be a big-time test for the Rangers, a big-time uh, gut check for the Rangers. And the other, you know, disturbing trend that I wanted to mention uh, here before we, you know, move on to a couple of other things for these last two games here. The top line. I would say something about their performance, but I, I can't find them. Has, has anyone seen the Rangers' top line in these last two games? They're invisible out there, especially Kreider. And I, I don't know, with, with Kreider, you know, I, I mentioned this when we did our crossover episode with JD of Locked on Sharks. You know, I, I made a prediction that Kreider would score a goal in that game. He did not. He came close at least once in the Sharks game. Didn't happen. Um, but I mentioned to JD that I, I feel like Kreider, perhaps more so than the rest of the Rangers combined, has been robbed and or, you know, within an inch or two of scoring a goal more than the rest of the entire Rangers, you know, combined, put together. And I don't know if maybe that's causing Kreider to get a little bit discouraged, if he's a little bit down on himself, what the situation is, uh, but he was not good at all in this game. He he was invisible. And so, for the most part, was the uh, the Ranger top line. So, yeah, I mean, again, just, just a very confusing, uh, just complete nothing performance from the Rangers against this Blue Jackets team, uh, and even worse, when you consider the fact that they played very poorly against the Sharks, you would think this would be their wake-up call, and, you know, the game where they would snap out of it, that did not happen. But we're going to continue breaking this one down, trying to make some sense out of it, and also looking ahead to uh, the upcoming pair of back-to-backs that the Rangers are going to have uh, very shortly here, Tuesday and Wednesday, home against the Avalanche, and at the Islanders, respectively. And we will do all that in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Simply Safe. The numbers do not lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. As Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. They protect you with cutting-edge security technology powered by 24/7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. With 24/7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home and even if you can't be reached. Simply Safe 
blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Our monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash LockedOnNHL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash LockedOnNHL to learn more. There is no safe like Simply Safe. All right, and we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So I want to break down this performance by Yaroslav Halak, his second appearance of the game, or of the season, excuse me. And obviously it went a lot better in his first start against uh, the Winnipeg Jets. But a uh, rough night for Halak. He allows five goals on just 21 shots. And I thought the second and third goals were particularly egregious, and we'll break those two down uh, in just a second here. But um, I, I did want to mention, you know, first of all, just the decision to start Yaroslav Halak in this game. Very, very strange to me because... You know, it's the sixth game of the season, and it's it's not a terrible ratio to, to start Igor for four games and Halak for two games. You know, you maybe want to keep Igor fresh, and, and you got to pick your spots as far as games that you want him to have off. You don't want to burn him out, get him injured early in the season. I get it to an extent, but here's where Glant loses me with this decision. The Rangers, after this game here, have a back-to-back on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's right around the corner. It's right there. It's tomorrow night now. I'm recording this Monday morning. So you have a back-to-back against the Avalanche and the Islanders. You've got to figure that Halak is going to start at least one of the— well, yeah, exactly one of those games. He's going to be out there against the Islanders, you would have to think. I mean, the Rangers are playing the Avalanche. You're not going to go with your backup against the Stanley Cup champions, and you're not going to go with your backup against Alex Georgiev. You know, you're going to do the Igor-Georgiev matchup, and that'll be interesting to see. I mean, we've seen how much that— you know, former Ranger skaters burn the Rangers. I'm really hoping that this does not turn into a revenge game for Alex Georgiev, but we shall see. But obviously, Yaroslav Halak is going to play one of those two games, and he'd be out there against his former team, the New York Islanders. Then, after that, the Rangers' next two games are also a back-to-back. The Rangers, uh, this weekend, will play at the Stars and at the Coyotes. And you've got to figure that, as Gallant has done, you know, all through last year, and what he'll probably do this year, is that Igor Shesterkin is not going to play both games of a back-to-back. So you were going to have Yaroslav Halak starting two of these next four games no matter what. So what was the point of starting him in this game Sunday? We're going to be in a situation here where Yaroslav Halak is going to start three out of five games. Why is that happening? Why did Igor Shesterkin need a day off so badly? And why did Yaroslav Halak need to play in this game so badly when you're going to have a couple of rest days for Igor Shesterkin coming up anyway? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Unless Gallant changes his mind on his whole, you know, back-to-back thing, and maybe Igor Shesterkin will play both games of one of these back-to-backs. It's at least possible. But again, why do it that way? You have a built-in reason here for Yaroslav Halak to get two starts. The first back-to-back and the second back-to-back. There was no reason for him to also start this game on Sunday, especially when you're just six games into the season and, you know, you're looking for a bounce-back performance. You had a rough game against the Sharks. You really need to win this game at home against the Blue Jackets and you go with the backup goalie. I don't get it. Maybe you guys can make some sense out of it for me. Explain to me what 
Gallant might have been thinking here. And I like Gerard Gallant. I'm not going to turn on him or anything like that. Uh, he's done a phenomenal job with this Ranger team. He pushes the right buttons far more often than not. But to me, this was a very questionable decision. And as far as Yaroslav Halak and uh, the defense is concerned, I mean, you know, the, the Rangers obviously did not play team defense. We, we got through that already. But uh, the goals that he gave up here to Peak and Chinnikov specifically, that was the second and third goals scored by the Blue Jackets. Uh, Peak went in. And he took a shot, and it went under Halak's right arm, and it went into the net. And that's all I've got. I, I realize I, I typically spend a little bit more time breaking down these goals and explaining what happened. There's really not much else to say about this one. The guy took a shot. It should have been stopped. Went under Yaroslav Halak's right arm and went into the net. And, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a save that any, any goalie in this league absolutely must make. He was not able to do it. And then uh, the third goal... This one wasn't much better. Uh, it was a goal by Chinnikov. He basically just, you know, had the puck at the right point, skated in a little bit, toward the top of the right faceoff circle, let it fly, and uh, beat Halak and made it 3 to nothing at that point. And not a good goal here either. I will say on this one, though, should never even come to that because the Rangers, they had their top line on the, on the ice. Uh, you've got Miller along the boards. You've got Mika along the boards. You've got Kreider along the boards. You've got three uh, Blue Jackets along the boards. Puck is, you know, kind of in everybody's skates and people are trying to dig it out. And the Rangers flat out outworked on this play. There was not nearly enough effort coming from Mika, coming from Kreider, coming from Keandre Miller on this play to get this puck and really fight for this puck. You know, like you really need to win it and get the thing moving in the opposite direction. I don't know what was going on here. Nobody really stuck their nose in for the Rangers. They just allowed the Blue Jackets to win this board battle. And I've said this before on this show as well. I love a beautiful goal by Artemi Panarin or Mika Zibanejad or whoever it might be. My favorite goal is always when my team outworks the other. My least favorite goal, the, the goal that I just detest and the goal that happened here and the kind of goal that we're not used to seeing the Rangers give up is when the opposition outworks my team. And that's what happened here. The Rangers didn't want this puck. The Blue Jackets did. You see the result. It's as simple as that. Uh, you know, Mika just didn't fight for the puck like he could have. Kreider was barely doing anything. He was just kind of standing there. You know, Mika dropped his stick. He's, he's picking it up off the ice while the Blue Jackets are scoring. Uh, the optics of this one were just terrible. And again, I, I don't want to like come on here and just kill this team, but I always give them the benefit of the doubt because it all comes back to uh, this idea that when the Rangers have a bad game as they did against the Sharks, they respawn and they come back that much stronger in the next one. And uh, they were even worse in this one. So uh, at some point, you know, you, you got to agree on what reality is. And this was a, a bad performance by the Rangers and an unacceptable performance by the Rangers uh, as well. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention here as far as Gallant's uh, line of thinking and why maybe he went with Halak here, the only other thing that I can come up with is that maybe he's been disappointed in the Ranger team defense. In fact, yes, he has been disappointed. He's pretty much said as much in his pressers. So maybe the idea here was, you know what? I'm going to play the backup goalie and you guys aren't going to be able to over-rely on Igor Shesterkin, and you're going to have to go out there and play good team defense and make it happen. Maybe that was the idea. Maybe it was like a call to arms, a way to challenge these guys, but I still don't agree with the decision. I'm just trying to come up with some uh, reason why Halak was in this game when, once again, he's pretty much a lock to play uh, two of the next four games. There's no reason why Halak should be playing three out of five uh, for this Ranger team when you've got the Vesna winning goalie uh, sitting on the bench. Um, the only thing that I'll say that was a positive from Halak's performance here is that, uh, you know, he he was very accountable after this game, and he pretty much uh, stood up and faced the music and put it all on himself. There were a couple quotes uh, after this game from Halak here. That's what he had to say about the performance. I just got outplayed by their goalie. I need to be better. 
And then uh, he was also talking about uh, the second and third goals, as we just did here. He said, on the second one, a clean shot goes through me. The third one, I just didn't react fast enough. So Halak, very accountable after the game, very matter of fact, and, you know, not putting any of the blame on his teammates, which is always a good thing. I mean, I wouldn't expect him to do that. But it was good that he, you know, stood up and faced the music and, and just said flat out, I need to be better, even though he did not get a ton of help on this night and certainly did not get any help whatsoever from the Ranger top line uh, on the third goal that the Jackets score in this one. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the long and short of it. Rough night for Halak, rough night for the Ranger team defense, and they need to be a lot better than this. But uh, we're going to continue talking about you know, everything that happened in this game in just a second. Uh, we're going to talk about Kravtsov mixing back into the lineup, uh, the injury to Philip Hedl, and uh, just looking ahead to uh, what's coming up for the Rangers. A couple of tough games against the Avalanche and the Islanders. It does not get any easier after this, and we will do all that in just a second. Okay, so Vitaly Kravtsov making his return to the lineup. He slots in there on the third line for the Rangers. He's out there with Hedl and Goodrow, and Jimmy Vesey comes out of the lineup. Vesey, a healthy scratch for the first time this season which was probably the way to go, although I am going to explain why in just a second here. I do think Jimmy Vesey should be back in there for the next game, so we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but Kravtsov, you know, he gets 11 minutes and 33 seconds. That was the third fewest amount of ice time among Ranger forwards. The only two that had less ice time than Kravtsov were Philip Hedl, obviously because he got injured. Philip Hedl was out there for 11 seconds before, uh, you know, he got hurt on the play. And also Ryan Reeves, who you expect, you know, when he's in the lineup, he's probably going to be uh, dead last as far as time on the ice is concerned. So Kravtsov, yeah, he went back out there, but didn't really do a whole lot to stand out. Uh, there was a play in the second period, uh, a good play here. He had his stick broken while the Rangers were in the attacking zone, and he made a nice play using his skates to keep the play alive. So that was a positive. Uh, there was also a play in the second period. I would call it like a medium danger scoring opportunity for Kravtsov. Took a shot from the left circle. It was saved and deflected out of play. And then the third period, this is another play that uh, kind of stood out for me for Kravtsov. You know, the puck is uh, being lifted into the attacking zone, and it's in the air, and it looked like Kravtsov got his glove on it and knocked it down. And then he kind of exploded through a couple of defenders there and went in alone. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, right before he could get the shot away, a nice play by the Columbus defenseman to knock it away from Kravtsov. Besides that, Kind of a nondescript game for Vitaly Kravtsov, and we'll look to see uh, what the Rangers, how they handle him going forward. For a while there, it was looking like he was going to be on the Panarin line. He got hurt. Lafreniere clicked with that line for, you know, a couple of games there up until these last two when nothing's clicking with anything. But uh, we'll see how they look to go. I'd imagine Kravtsov probably will still be out there on the third line. I don't know. I mean, there's part of me that wants to see Kravtsov get more of an opportunity. I don't think he should be getting less ice time than, say, Ryan Carpenter, which he did in this game here tonight. By that same token, you know, Kravtsov hasn't shown enough to really earn more ice time. So it's a little bit of a catch-22. It's kind of like the same deal with the Rangers' second power play unit from last season. You know, are they unproductive because they're not getting ice time? Or are they not getting ice time because they're unproductive? And it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both with Vitaly Kravtsov here. And we'll see how the Rangers look to continue to deploy him. I do hope he gets another start, though. I hope he's not right back to being a healthy scratch in the next game. Which actually leads me to... Something else I want to talk about, I think the forward that should be a healthy scratch for the Rangers in the next game should probably be Ryan Reeves. Reeves has played in all six games to start the Rangers, and there's part of me that doesn't like the fact that I'm suggesting this, because when you look at the Rangers against the Jackets, obviously they, they were not very good. I thought Reeves played better than a heck of a lot of his teammates did. He actually had a scoring chance or two, um, and, and you know, physical tone and all that good stuff, but 
I think, you know, we're seven games into the season, or we will be when the Rangers play the Avalanche. I think it's okay if Reeves sits one out. And when you look at the fact that Vitaly Krasov is now available, I think you want to try to get him going. So I think he should be in the lineup. And I think Jimmy Vesey should be back out there because I just got done talking for quite some time here about how rough the Rangers have been as far as team defense is concerned. Jimmy Vesey can help you in that area. He can help you on the penalty kill. He can help you on 5v5. And you're playing the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, a team with no shortage of firepower, no shortage of scoring threats. I think you need to go uh, with your you know, one of your better defensive forwards in the lineup over, you know, an enforcer like Ryan Reeves. It's Rangers Avalanche. It's not Rangers Islanders. It's not Rangers Penguins. There's not really any history between the Rangers and the Avalanche, or not really any that I'm aware of, you know, other than, I guess, the fact that Chris Drury played for both teams. There's really no history there. And so I I think that, you know, there's no real reason to expect any trouble, to expect it to be a chippy game. You never know for sure. But that being the case, I think that kind of uh, lessens the importance of having Ryan Reeves in the lineup. I'd put Reeves back out there uh, for the next game against the Islanders because you never know what can happen when it's Rangers-Islanders, but you get Jimmy VZ back out there and uh, go with your best defensive lineup to help the Rangers in an area where they are struggling, and you have to do that for sure when you're playing the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche, who just have so much firepower, it's ridiculous. So we'll see how the Rangers look to do it, but that's what I would do. I also, and I can't even believe I'm saying this, I might look to get uh, Libor Hayek back into the game for at least one of these two games in the back-to-back. And I think I would do it against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Zach Jones has struggled a little bit. You know, there was a situation in this game where he probably should have taken the shot. and Instead, he tried to force a pass, turn the puck over. Blue Jackets go the opposite way. They end up scoring a goal. Uh, Jones, you know, I still like his long-term prospects, but he has not really stood out in a positive way to start the season thus far for the Rangers. And Libor Hayek, for as much as the Ranger fans, you know, kind of go after him, and as much as I've said that I'd like the Rangers to look at some other alternatives to Libor Hayek, he did play very well in his one game this season. That was against the Winnipeg Jets. So I think it's fine if he gets one of the games of this back-to-back, and I think I would get him right back out there uh, for this game against the Colorado Avalanche. We'll see how the Rangers uh, look to play it. But I I think I would give Hayek another game here. Uh, okay, so Philip Heedle injury. This is bad because Heedle so far this season has been one of, if not the most consistent New York Ranger forward. This guy always has his legs under him. It seems like he's always in the middle of everything, you know, creating scoring opportunities. He's starting to play a little bit more physical this year. He's always in on the four check. Uh, he's got a lethal shot. He scored a couple of goals for the Rangers this season and just kind of a spark plug. And what's really impressive is he's done it all while playing on the bottom six. He's been on the third line all season. One of the only guys, or or one of just a few of, you know, the Ranger players that has not really moved around a whole lot this season. He's been centering that third line, and uh, a lot has changed around him. You know, they they were going to go with the kid line, and then Kako leaves, and he's out there with, you know, uh, Barclay Goodrow or Alexi Lafreniere. Then Lafreniere moves up. Now Vitaly Kravtsov is with him. Uh, Sammy Blay, I think, was on the third line for at least one game. So uh, he's had a lot of moving parts around him, and yet he continues to produce. Really unfortunate that he got injured uh, on his first shift of this game. And let me get this out of the way first and foremost. I don't think this was a dirty play. Uh, Sillinger kind of just crashed into him. You know, they were in front of the Columbus net. He tried to veer to his left, and Sillinger's elbow 
caught Hedl in the head. Hedl went down. Uh, he was ruled out at the start of the second period as far as returning into this game. I don't think it was a dirty play, though. I don't think Sillinger even saw him or didn't even realize that Hedl was turning toward him. Uh, and he didn't extend his elbow or his shoulder or anything like that. So uh, just one of those unfortunate things that can happen during the course of a hockey game. I didn't have any issue whatsoever uh, as far as the contact was concerned. But it is going to hurt the Rangers. I mean, as far as how you can look to replace him, I mean, you're going to have to go with Goodrow centering the third line now. And so you figure Krasov will be out there on the third line. And if VZ, if if Hedl cannot go in the next game, then probably I, I would guess either VZ or Blay will be uh, on the third line left wing most likely. We'll, we'll see how they look to do it. But it's obviously a really rough injury for the Rangers. And it's something that really kind of points a spotlight at the fact that this team is still hurting for depth at least a little bit. I think every team around the NHL, probably you could say that about to an extent because you know, you can't have $10 million players up and down your lineup. Um, you're going to be tested with your depth in the bottom six and your bottom defense pairing and so on and so forth. But yeah, Filipino, that's a, a really rough loss for the Rangers, uh, you know, this early in the season. Hopefully he's back out there, but head injuries are no joke. And obviously, um, you know, he, he should get healthy before he goes back out there. You, you don't want to mess around with head injuries. Uh, the one other thing that I have to say here, though, can the Rangers get through a game with 12 healthy forwards? It's nobody's fault or anything like that, but it just feels like at the start of like at least half the Ranger games this season, somebody's getting hurt on their first shift. You know, we saw uh, Krasov get hurt on his first shift and he was out for the game. Uh, we saw Carpenter, you know, the, that scary injury where he got cut by the skate. That wasn't, you know, that early in the game, but he still got injured and they had to go with 11 forwards in that game. And obviously Hedl getting injured just 11 seconds into his first shift. Uh, he gets hurt and the Rangers have to go with 11 forwards for the rest of this game. So I got to say, it's going to be really nice uh, to see the Rangers get through a game with 12 healthy forwards. Uh, hopefully that begins against the Colorado Avalanche on Tuesday. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it doesn't get any easier for the Rangers. They are against the defending champions and then they're against the Islanders. Islanders, have played the Rangers tough over these past few seasons. You know, last year, the Rangers did okay against the Islanders. The two seasons before that, they had no answers whatsoever. The Islanders just turned these games into complete slogs, and the Rangers have a hard time getting anything going. They try to force passes that aren't there, and then the Islanders counterpunch, and it usually doesn't go well for the Rangers. So, Rangers, it's gut check time, man. you got to step up, and you got to find a way to get some points in these next two games here because, you know, what's really unfortunate— about this stretch here is the Rangers have now left some serious points on the table. You lose to the Jets. Again, I'll give them a little bit of a pass for that one for all the reasons that I explained earlier in this episode. But you lose to the Jets, you lose to the Sharks in overtime, and you lose to the Blue Jackets. You get one total point out of a possible six against those three teams. And yet it's still early in the season. There's plenty of time for the Rangers to correct everything that's ailing them right now. And you know, plenty of time to, to figure it out and put their best foot forward and, you know, be the team that we all know that they are. But, you know, these games at the start of the season, they're not weighted any differently than the games at the end of the season. There's two points on the line every time you go out there. And if we're in a situation at the end of the season where you know, the Rangers don't win the division by a point or two, or they, you know, finish third instead of second in the division by a point or two and have to go on the road in the first round of the playoffs, we're going to think about these games because these are, as far as I can tell, not good teams that the Rangers are losing to. And it's not just that they're losing, you know, they're not, they're just not playing Ranger hockey. It's just that simple. And I already got done with my whole rant about that earlier in the episode. So I figure we could pretty much call it there. I mean, I do think the Rangers will bounce back eventually and we'll all be feeling a heck of a lot better. Look, all it takes is for the Rangers to go out there and beat the Avalanche in any fashion. Even if there are certain things that, you know, still 
kind of plague the Rangers if there's a mistake or two against the Avalanche, if they have to win a game 5-4 to four or 6-5 to five or something crazy like that, and they're still not playing good team defense, hey, it's still a win over the Stanley Cup champions. So I think if the Rangers beat the Avs, no matter how they do it, we're all going to be feeling a lot better. That's all it takes. But the Rangers, they have to bring it a heck of a lot more than they have in these last couple of games here. Uh, but I figure we can call it there. Uh, if you guys would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.